Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. We do invite you to remain standing for the reading of God's Word that comes from Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, as we hear about some walls that are about to come tumbling down. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in, but the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its kings and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times, with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse, and the people can charge straight into the town. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. We've seen you move. You move the mountains. And we believe you'll see uh, see you do it again. So Lord, we come with this, whatever this is. Lord, break it down so we can break through. Move these walls. Help us, Lord. Amen. Why do we love control so much? If you are a control freak, you're going to be really uncomfortable for the next little bit. I know that's nobody in this room, nobody watching online, and even there are some of you who think, well, I'm not really a control freak, and that's probably, it's astounding to me the things, the things that I think I need to control that I don't really control. And why is it that we think that our best laid plans are actually the best laid plans? And why do we think that, that if, if people would just do things our way, then everything would be okay? I mean, I've never lived through a global pandemic. I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not an economist. I'm not sure what to do during the midst of all of this. But for some reason in my head, I think if people would just do what I think they should do, we'd all be better. I know I'm not the only one who thinks that way, right? Or, we, or to think about your, your kids or, or your grandkids, that if your kids or your grandkids would just do what, what you think they should do and, and do it the way that you think they should, then they would be okay. After all, father and mother know best, right? Maybe it's your job. If, whether you are the boss or whether you are um, an employee, you think that if, if your boss would just do what you think they should do, that everything would be okay. Or if those employees would just get their act together. And do what they were supposed to do, that everything would be okay. And we do it with our faith as well, right? If God would do what I needed him to do, what I told him to do, if I could control God, then everything would be okay. And so you and I, we have this need to control. And and oftentimes it comes down to our our pride, that we, we want our world to be a certain way, and there's some good things that are part of that desire. But so often we can try to manipulate and control things that are way beyond our control. 
And so you and I, we live lives in which we pursue control, in which we pursue a way that we think the life should be, the way we think the world should be, and we do what we can to try to manipulate and control and to orient the world so that we feel okay about it. But as one of my friends once told me, she said, Aaron, you know that control is an illusion, right? You do not control things. That, that there are so, so, so many things I have no control over. But yet I strive for it. I can't control a virus and I can't control politicians. I can't control my kids, my spouse, my parents. I can't control my coworkers or my customers. And I can't control God, but I try. I'm sure I'm not the only one who have tried to control God that, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something, and because I did something, you should do this. When I was in college, um, I play guitar adequately, um, uh, nowhere near like, like Nathan does here, but I was leading worship at a, at a camp, and um, so it was kind of a ragtag band that came together, and a lot of us had never played before, and, and so we had our practice on, on, on Monday, and we weren't very good. And we had worship on Monday night, and so we knew like we needed to like, it was coming, but like it was time to end practice. And so it's like, well, good luck. See you in a couple hours when it's time. And so I thought, Lord, I need you. And so I remember being in my, in my room that I was staying at and just feeling frustrated and wanting to do the best job possible. And so I, I got on my knees and on my bed and I prayed and I said, God, I need you. Will, will you, will, will you just, will your spirit move and will you help us with all these errors and everything that we've been doing? And I got up and I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I thought, this is awesome. And so I go out and I lead worship and all those little miscues that happened, all of a sudden everything just sort of worked together and it was a great night of worship. So I thought, well, this is what you do. And so Tuesday night and Wednesday night, I got on my knees, I prayed, I felt the Holy Spirit. On Wednesday night, I really felt that God had given me a prophetic word that I was able to share as I led worship and that the Holy Spirit had taken over me in this moment. And what happened was, and this is sneaky, y'all, this is sneaky sometimes, because I, I felt so good about what had happened, I felt a lot of pride. And I began to think, man, not just God did something good, but Aaron did something good. And so Thursday night's the big night at camp. If you've been to camp, you know it. All right, now, we, it's called cry night. Now, it is a night in which all this sort of buildup has happened. Kids are getting tired from a long week. Um, they, they, they're being touched by the Holy Spirit, and they're never going to see that girl again, all right? That is all the pressure of cry night. And this was particularly before, like, Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, so you really didn't know if you're going to see that girl again. And so on Thursday night, it's a big night. And so I do what I've done, Right? And so I, I get in my room and I hit my knees and I pray and I say, God, I, I need you, Lord, would the Holy Spirit come and would you lead this great night? Good things, right? I stand up and I feel nothing, nothing. So I think I did it wrong. So I hit my knees again. I pray, Lord, would you, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Would you move? Would you do something wonderful, Lord? I stand up and I feel nothing. Show must go on, right? So I walk out there and... We, we do our worship experience, and, it's, um, and I just make mistakes all over the place, and I just feel terrible, and I'm not feeling the Spirit. And so at the end of it, I'm feeling pretty sorry for myself as we put, our, put my guitar down and walk to the back while the preacher is up there preaching, and I go back to the sound booth. There was a, worship, there was a youth minister, his name was Scott. 
And I just go, and I'm like, Scott, I'm so sorry. You know, I was terrible up there. You know, I just ruined the night. And he, he just looked at me and just almost like he barely heard me. He said, Aaron, just look. And what I looked up, I saw all these teenagers who were just leaning in. And they were engaged in the word of God. And, and I don't think I physically felt the slap of God. But I felt God say, Aaron, I don't need you. In fact, even on your worst day, I can do amazing things. You can't control me by doing what you think you need to do. Pull the lever of prayer and get the delivery the way you want to. You can't control me. Instead, what I, I learned later is, is, is that so often we go for control, but we are not called to control, but we are called to contribute. We're not called to try to make and do everything or try to convince people or try to, try to make the world the way that it should be, but we are called to contribute and to participate in what God is already doing. And that's really the story of Joshua. What happens when we try to control or when we try to participate and contribute into the story of God? Because the truth is, is that the more you try to be God in your world, the more you are walking away from the true God. The more you go for control, the more that you are walking away and stepping away from the God who loves you and who is called to be with you. And so in the story of Joshua, in which I am fairly well convinced that most of what we know about Joshua, we learned in second grade, right? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, 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 Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the walls came and tumbled down. That's about it, right? And so we have more to this story. Because it really is a story of faithfulness. And it begins with a guy by the name of Joshua. So let me update you as to where we're out in the story. So the Israelites are God's chosen people. They are the ones that God has called to move. And he led a guy by the name of Moses. He set them free from slavery and was sending them to the promised land. They weren't ready to get to the promised land. And maybe that's a word for some of you that I wasn't planning on saying, but I think the Lord has it for you today, is some of you have to wander before you get to the promised land. You aren't ready for the promised land until you get rid of some of the slavery. And so sometimes we want that, but we got to go through this. And so they're on the verge of the promised land after 40 years, and Moses dies, their leader dies, and Joshua is there. And so part of what happens in Joshua 1 through 5 is that, is that God is trying to show that Joshua is the new Moses, that he is the one that he is with. And, and, and we hear these words that God says to Joshua, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. I will not fail you or abandon you. God is faithful and God is with you. And maybe there's only two things you need to take away today and maybe that's it, that God is faithful and God is with you. And he speaks these words. We like these words. These are good words that go on our, on our on when we do like images of Bible verses, we like these next words. Be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people to possess the land that I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. We hold on to those words about being strong and courageous, but these words are just as important. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left. Then you will be successful in all you do. 
And so being strong and courageous means living life and going with according to the steps that God would have. It's about living, taking steps of faith where you're not certain, but that you are trusting enough that God, if you can make this next step clear, then I will take it. And here at the very end of 1-9, it says, this is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, it's interesting to me that he is with you wherever you go. Even if you are not following the pathway of God, even if you are not being faithful, the Lord says he is with you wherever you go. And so there are times in which we veer our own way. There are times we wander in the wilderness, but the Lord is still with us. One of the best words of love I've ever heard in my life. I was in a season where I wasn't sure exactly what was going to happen. I don't know if you've ever been there, but that's kind of a hard place to be, right? And he said, Aaron, wherever you are going, I want to go with you. And that's the Lord. Wherever you're going, I want to go with you. That's friendship. Wherever you're going, I want to go with you. If you're wandering around or if you're entering into the promised land, if you get broken on the side of the road, wherever you're going, I want to go with you. And that's what it means for us to say you belong here to say grace grows here, wherever you're going, I want to go with you. And so God wants to take us into the promised land. And so um, Joshua um, does some of these things that, that as they're on the verge of the promised land in order for them to get into the promised land. The, just like Moses, he sent spies into the promised land. Just like Moses, they came across a body of water that needed to be split so they could walk across on dry land. And so God split the Jordan River and they walked across on dry land. Just like Moses, Joshua built an altar when they got onto the other side. And that this stopped me on my tracks. And again, I think this is for somebody that is here, is that we need to build altars to serve as reminders of God's faithfulness. That whenever God has taken us through something, we need to build something. We need to hold on to something. We need to put something on our mirror or on our dashboard so that we can remember that the Lord who was faithful then can do it again. And songs are actually one of those ways. I mean, Nathan, when you were singing that song, Do It Again, I remember a time in which I had, I had one of those big stressful meetings where, where, my, where I didn't know what the, the future would hold. And, and so I circled this place where the meeting was and I listened to that song, do it again, do it again. I've seen you move and you've moved the mountains and I believe I'll see you do it again. And so you need to build an altar to say here, the Lord has been faithful and I believe what God is doing next. And so they, they continue on their journey, and the enemies are afraid because they heard of what God has done. If God can split the sea, he certainly can split his enemies. And so they get to the edge of the promised land. They're about to go in, and the, right before, it says this in, in Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 through 15, this strange encounter. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with the sword in hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, are you friend or foe? And he says, neither one. I am the commander of the Lord's army. Joshua fell at his feet, took off his shoes because it was holy ground. And as, as I think about this, I think that we often do this, is, is that we, 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 we want God to be on our side. We, but here's the truth, is that we don't need God on our side. We need to side with God. 
So often you and I, and because we want to justify ourselves, because we want things our way, because we want to control things, we say, Lord, I've got it all figured out. Will you just bless me indeed today? And we want God to join our side in what we are thinking and what we are feeling and what we are doing, but that's not the way of living. Instead of siding, of asking God to come on our side, we are called to side with God. This is the Lord's commander. I ain't for your friend or your foe. I am for God. And he invites us to join in to his battle. And it's amazing what happens when we do things God's way. Now, I am not a battle expert. I would probably be a terrible soldier um, because that's just not my skill set. And so it is strange to me as I read that the priests were leading the battle. Because you don't want me leading a battle. I'm not the most ferocious of people. My name's Tiger, but that doesn't mean I'm scary. (laughs) But here, it's a strange way to go into a battle by having priests and the Ark of the Covenant, the very presence of God. What a visual reminder of God being with them, in front of them and ahead of them. And so they are are led around. And so they, they walk around once a day for six days. And then on the seventh day, they walk around seven times, and then they're supposed to, to shout on the seventh time. And, 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 and they know that there are some things happening, but I, as far as I can tell, they don't know exactly, the Israelites, the, the people who are just walking around, they don't know exactly what's supposed to happen when. All that they've been told is to keep their mouths shut until it's time to shout. The seventh time around. All right. I'm going to ask you all to just live in this story. And I want you to release what you, your, your normal inhibitions in a Methodist church right now. Okay? Because I've, I've been Methodist. Uh, my, dad's, uh, my dad's a Methodist pastor. Nathan, his dad's a Methodist pastor. Spencer over here, his dad's a Methodist pastor. We know it. All right? Hands at your side, eyes in. Don't, don't be loud. But you know what? For walls to come down, sometimes we have to be loud. So here's what we're going to do, y'all. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this scripture. And when I say shout, I'm going to invite you to shout. And I want you to let loose a little bit of that balloon. So again, some of you are like, I don't know if I can do that. But you've got this inside of you. God has got it inside of you. And he's asking you to contribute to breaking down the wall. So when I say shout, I invite you to shout. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, shout. Amen. For the Lord has given you the town. Thank God our wall stayed up because that would have been a bad moment there. So you... It's amazing that that's what they had to do was to to shout, and they got to contribute. They got to participate in this incredible miracle of God. They didn't have to fight. They didn't have to risk. They didn't have to do anything but just be faithful to do this. And one of the things that I think so often happens is is that we become consumed with what am I going to try to do to defeat this enemy or this obstacle or this thing that's in front of me. And so we try to figure it all out, and the Lord's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, all I need you to do is shout. Or in Exodus 14, 14, it says these words, the Lord will fight for you. You only have to be still. 
And so whatever the Jericho, the, the, the tall towers and the walls that is standing in your way of where you, of where God is calling you to go and to become and to enter into, he will fight for you. You are not alone in this. God is already fighting what is in front of you. God is at work. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Now, as we were talking about this scripture on Monday, there was another great, great, great thing. Um, And so Barbie opened up her Bible and she saw a note that said, don't give up on day six. How many times have we given up on day six? Walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall. And, 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 And we say, God, this seems ridiculous. Why do we keep circling this? Why don't you just do something already? Why don't you just move? Or even worse, we just take matters into our own hands and we do something. Walking around these walls. Don't give up on day six. Don't give up on day seven, the fifth time around or the sixth time around. Because as as Stephen Furtick once said, breakthrough is right after the greatest feeling of breakdown. And so when you don't feel like you can go anymore, when you are exhausted, when you are just about, Lord, I'm done. God's like, why didn't you say that earlier? Because I am ready to come through. You've worn yourself out trying to do what only God can do. And so when we finally surrender and say, okay, Lord, I can't fight this battle. Only you can, then amazing things will happen. Or as the theologian Dory said in Finding Nemo, when life gets you down, do you know what you got to do? Just keep swimming. And so they won. The walls came tumbling down. They took over everything. Life is good, right? And maybe you've been there. You, something God has, God has done an amazing thing and everything feels good. And you're like, "Woo! all right, that was good. And then like right after that, you mess up, right? You're on this mountaintop and then it's like, boom, that's a cliff actually. And that's exactly what happened with the Israelites in this story is that they fell. And we see this time and time again. We are hard-headed and hard-hearted people, and we miss so often what God is doing. It takes us a while to learn our lessons, and, and, and hopefully we can get there through the grace of God. He's not judging us. He is with us. And he's like, you're almost there. It's almost about to break through, and you will find it. And so in um, Joshua 7 and 1, it says, but Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. And there was a man, and he stole some stuff that he wasn't supposed to steal, and then he hid it. He stole some stuff, and then he hid it. How do you know when something you do is wrong? It's when you hide it. And I know, and I don't know what it is, and I don't know who it is, but there are some of you who, when I said you hid it, the Spirit is just like, whoosh. I know a prob- a, most of you know my, my story of um, my addiction to pornography and um, how God has set me free from that. And obviously a big part of that was me hiding things um, over the years. And I knew it was wrong, and, and I just, but I had to protect and control this secret. And um, I remember after I uh, shared my, some of my story to some people in Tulsa, there was a young man, and he was just a couple of years younger to me, and he said, Aaron, he, he had the same problem, same addiction, same story. And he said, Aaron, it's so freeing now 
that I've been able to confess this to my wife, to God, and to a small group of friends because now not every sermon you ever preach is about pornography. And so there are some of you who are here, maybe you're watching online, in which every sermon I've preached over the past six months is about the exact same thing to your heart. And you're holding the sin, you're holding the secret, you are holding it in and you are hiding it. And God wants to set you free. One of the questions I answer every Monday morning with my small group is what do you desire to keep secret? Because whatever that secret is, is what is controlling you. You will do anything you can do to try to protect that secret. You will do anything that you can do in order to hide it. You will do anything that you can do to orient your life so that nobody finds out your secret. And so there are consequences for hiding. God wants truth. He wants honesty. He wants revelation. Because when we bring it forth to God, he can transform it. It says, confess your sins one to another and you will be healed. Forgiveness comes from God. You need that. Healing comes from community. You need that as well. What do you desire to keep secret? And maybe this is the question you have to answer this week. Because if not, your secrets will control you. People have said you're only as sick as your secrets. And I think it's true. And so here they are. They, they have taken what didn't belong to them and they hid it. And there's this other town that's not too far. It's called Ai. Um, and and they, are, um, they look over and they don't look very strong. Uh, they said, we don't even need to send our whole army. They don't even ask God what to do. It's amazing how we just take back control. God, you did this great thing. I'll take care of this little thing. And that's exactly what they did. And so they, they went into to battle and they were soundly defeated. And it says their courage melted away. After what God had done, these incredible things, splitting the sea, taking down the walls, all of a sudden their courage has melted. And that's us too, right? We can become so easily discouraged about our own life and what's going on. We become paralyzed to fear. We fall back into our own patterns, but God wants to continue to work and to move. They took matters into their own hands and they lost. And so they had a time of repentance in which they, they changed directions from this way to that way. They changed their orientation and what they were doing and then instead of relying on their own thing in their own way, they said, Lord, here I am. We want to do things your way. And so in Joshua 8, verse 1, the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid or discouraged. Take all your fighting men and attack Ai, for I have given you the king of Ai, his people, his town, and his land. And they were victorious in battle. And they continued their movement to the promised land. Now, when I say the promised land, um, sometimes we have in our head exactly what the promised land of our hearts should be. If, 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 if these things are all in, if, if everything looks the way it's supposed to, that's my promised land, and that's not the way I believe it is. The promised land for us here is about peace and residing in the place that God would want us to. It's about residing with God. It's about being with God, not the external expectations that we have in mind. That's your idolatry. You can watch last week's sermon. But today, I want you to think about the promised land of who God wants you to become. Somebody who is free. Somebody who loves God, who loves people, who is so able to receive the goodness and the love of God. And who is not trying to keep secrets or run everything in control or manipulation. Because here's what we know. Control is an illusion, but lordship isn't. You do not have control. 
as somebody who's gone through the 12 steps, the first step is you are powerless. You don't even have power over the things you think you have power in. Sometimes even our choices we don't have power in. And it's only when we admit we don't have the power that God can then do something. Step one, admit that we are powerless. Step two, admit that our lives have become unmanageable. Whew, that's hard. Step three, surrender to God. One, two, three. As you were singing, run to the Father again and again and again. Again and again and again. Again and again and again. Because Jesus is the Lord. And you do not have control. But God, Jesus is Lord. Now there was a, a time in my life in, in which um, I, I was, there was a, a song. And I heard, I heard a song and it talked about Lord of all. And, and, and I like that, that Jesus is the Lord of all, all creatures of our God and King. God's got all this. Yeah, that's great and wonderful. But I was like, I don't really care. I care about this. I don't need a Lord of all. I need a Lord of this. And that's maybe you too. Is you're like, God, I know you, you've got the whole world in your hands, but do you have this? Do you have this which is most precious and important to me? And Jesus is the Lord of this. And so whatever this is for you today, whatever this is as you watch this, whatever this is today, you need to surrender and you need to release control because if not, you're going to continue to try to control things and what's going to end up happening is you're going to dig the hole deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and you can come out of it. The Lord can pick you up and get you out of it. It just takes a lot longer and you got a lot more dirt and mud on you. So would you just... Would we just surrender and say, Lord, I can't control this. Will you be the Lord of this? I'm a fixer by trade. Give me a problem, I'll fix it. Makes me feel good about myself. But you can't fix this. Whatever this is, you can't fix it. But God can redeem it. You can't fix it. You can't do... 18 things to make it right if, if everything just you think if you if everything just happens if this happens and this happens and then this happens and then this happens and I do these things I'll just fix it you're not Bob the builder can you fix it no you can't <laughs> what you need is a Lord who can redeem it and that's who Jesus is whatever this is let Jesus be the Lord of this Surrender control, release, and let God do what God does best. Knock down walls. Set people free. Do incredible things that we have never even asked or imagined about. You can't fix it, but God can redeem it. And I know that because I see the cross. And, and so for us, you know, we wear crosses on our on our, we wear crosses as necklaces, and we got them hanging up all over the church, and we got them on top of our church. Um, and I hope you, like, we think they're these beautiful things, but let's not forget they're an execution device. And so, um, two th so if 2,000 years from now you were able to flash forward into the future and people had electric chairs on top of their churches, that is the same feeling that it would be like. Who would hang an electric chair around their neck? What kind of sick person would do that? And so God takes this, the emblem of suffering and shame, 
And he didn't fix it. He didn't erase every crucifixion. He didn't, he didn't just say, oh, all these things never happened. He didn't take away the pain or the goriness. Instead, he said, I'm going to take this thing that's the worst, and I'm going to make it the best. I'm going to take this brokenness of death, and I'm going to turn it into resurrection. The Lord can redeem and can resurrect. He can take things even you thought were dead and bring life to them. But you can't. So the choice we all have is this. Will I continue to try to control and fix? Or will I surrender and let God be God? He's not just the Lord of all. He's the Lord of this. And so as we, as we close our time, um, if, you, if you need prayer, if maybe there's something that you desire to keep secret that you've been holding in for a long time, maybe today is the day that you at least share something. And so you can text us, uh, 405-367-3139, and uh, um, our pastoral prayer line, that's a private line that we, we can communicate if you need to tell somebody. You're only as sick as your secrets. And so maybe today is the day that you've decided to give that up, that you've decided to say, no more. I can't hide this any longer. I can't bury this burden. The shame is too much. And so oftentimes we can't solve problems in worship, but we can surrender to God. And so our altar is going to be open. I'm going to have a time of prayer, and you're invited to come and pray. You're invited to text. You're invited to just be with God as we have this little bit of time of prayer before we sing our closing song. And so I think the Lord is asking something from each and every one of us. The question is, are we willing? Let us pray. Lord, some of us are circling things. And we've been circling and circling and circling maybe we have maybe we started to circle and then we thought oh i'm gonna do it my way lord you took too long i've taken 10 steps and you didn't break down the wall yet or maybe we've been walking for days or weeks or months and we say lord i'm tired lord we pray that that we would just so surrender to you And that when you call us to shout and to participate and to contribute, that we would shout and the walls would come tumbling down. Lord, there are walls in our hearts. There are walls in our relationships. There are walls in this place that need to come down, Lord. So would you do it again? Would you do what only you can do? Would you do something? And God, can we just contribute? And so, Lord, I'm just going to pray. I don't know who I'm talking about. I don't know if it's anybody. But Lord, I'm going to be praying right now for this. Lord, I pray for the person who is so guilty right now. Whose shame is approaching upon them. May they know that that is not from you. That shame is not from you. But Lord, that it is from the enemy one. You come not to bring shame, but to bring freedom. And so would that person just know that you are with them Lord, I pray for the person who's weary today. As they've been walking, they've been carrying more and more and more and more and more, and they've fallen and they've tried to get up, and they believe that if I'm just tough enough, I can make it through. And God, you want to come and you want to say, just let me bear that burden. Would you share it with me? And Lord, I pray for my control freaks in the room today. which I have a sneaking suspicion that's almost every single one of us. That we're trying to control something or someone or some way. God, can we surrender to you?
And so we take this next minute, we just pause. Lord, we offer ourselves to you. Maybe we offer ourselves in the prayer while we kneel down, we bow down, and we surrender to you. Do what only you can do. Do it again, Lord. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.